This show is part of the RetroZap.com podcast network. Episode number one of Previously on Lost. Well, Previously on Lost, we talked about our experience of Lost, but this time it's going to be about an actual episode of Lost. So welcome. We're going to introduce you to a little bit of Lost, as well as we're going to talk about the first two pilot episodes. So before we get into all that, though, I am Mike, I am one of your hosts, and I have an exceptional host alongside me. Bill, what's up? Hey, what's going on? I'm looking forward to it. I am too. I It was amazing going back and watching the show and realizing that I've seen some of these actors to this day and see how 15 years has done to them. <laughs> yeah, it's. I can't believe it. It is a long time. Wow, 15 years. Yeah. Um, I was just thinking I have tickets on Saturday for a screening of Batman. Uh, Michael Keaton, 1989. That's right. It's 20 years. Because it's 30 years. Wow. It's kind of crazy. It makes me feel old. Oh, man. I, I I was born when that movie came out, but not knowledgeable of anything when that movie came out. So, well, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to talking about some Lost. And uh, so what we're going to kind of do is um, in this first episode, I'm going to give you a little bit of a summary about what Lost is really about. And then I'm going to kind of, we're going to kind of go through some of the actors, directors, um, the composer and that kind of thing. And this episode, some of the main characters that you're going to see throughout the whole entire series uh, run. Um, but we're not going to do that every week. We just kind of want to kind of give you some, you know, some connect the dot moments. It's like, oh, I remember seeing that. That who's played it. That who's played it. So if you're joining us and you've never seen Lost, this would be a great time for you to jump in on the ground level um, to watch the shows with us. And we'll release these every couple of weeks. And if you have seen it before, it's not a bad thing to go back and watch a show that was groundbreaking in TV culture at the time. So uh, join us, and uh, Bill will jump in, and I'll jump in, and we'll talk about these different characters and, and directors and stuff as we get there. Well, you ready to go back to the island, Bill? I'm ready. Let's do it. So a little bit about Lost. The past, present, and future lives of the surviving Oceanic Flight 815 passengers are dramatically intertwined as a fight for survival ensues in a quest for answers after crash landing on a mysterious island. Each discovery prompts yet more secrets as they hastily formed colonies search for a way off the island, or is this their home? (laughs) And boy, those questions came up. And uh, I will say this as we get into the directors and the executive producers of the show, that these directors, they did reveal questions in the show. And I will tell you now, if you're starting this journey expecting to get all the answers, you might as well stop the journey now. 
Um, they're not going to give you all the answers in this show. But I think that's what makes it great. Any great work of art, in my opinion, will leave some things there for the reader or viewer or listener, whatever, uh, to interpret for themselves, in my opinion. I agree. So, I, I, And I think they did a great job with this as well. So there was quite a few directors, just a little bit of the cast and crew. Um, some of the ones at the beginning were that we mentioned were kind of in it through almost the whole thing. Some jumped in, uh, in season, midway through season one and season two, but generally when you talk about Lost, you're going to hear a few people. You're going to hear about Brian Burke is one of the directors. Um, I'd, I'm, not a, I'm not really knowledgeable as much as a lot of what Brian Burke does after Lost or what he's done. Do you, do you know anything of really what Brian Burke has done in his career? No, no, not really. Oh, that's great. (laughs) (laughs) I should do a little research, I guess, but... (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, moving on to the next one that we... I'm assuming we all... Oh, okay, so he's produced movies a lot of times with J.J. Abrams, by the way. I just looked this up real quick. Um, He he did a lot of the Mission Impossible films like Ghost Protocol and Rogue Nation. Uh, He also helped produce with J.J. Abrams on The Force Awakens. How did I not know that? Okay. And so he's he's also in the Star Trek series. And speaking of J.J. Abrams, J.J. Abrams was also an executive producer and director on this show. Um, please tell people, I mean, come on, if you don't know who J.J. Abrams is, guys, I mean, the head head must be in the sand for a while. J.J. Abrams uh, is back for episode nine of Star Wars. He did The Force Awakens. He's done Star Trek. He's just he's been all over the board. And he's a good director. He is. He he's um he's got a he's got a very distinct eye. I yes. think. Um let's see. Then the next one is Damon Lindelof. Uh you you'll see him a lot with uh a lot of times with Carlton Cuse. Damon Lindelof and Carlton Cuse do a lot of stuff together. Um but Damon Lindelof did movies like um uh, he co wrote stuff like Cowboys and Aliens from two thousand twelve, over two thousand eleven. Um the leftovers that was on HBO. He worked on um, Tomorrowland. Um, anything else that maybe I'm missing that he's? I mean, he he's he helped develop uh, Star Trek Into Darkness. Um, did so he? again with Abrams there. Wow. Okay, I didn't know that right. one. Uh, he did Once Upon a Time when it was good. Okay. <laughs> I I only I that's the TV show right about the modern day yeah, retelling I of the fairy tales. Yeah, I to the last season. And I just I couldn't do it anymore. The last season just got really really out there. Right. I, I I watched a little bit of maybe the first season. I do have a connection here. So I work with uh, a friend of mine's brother uh, is a Hollywood writer, and um, I believe he co-wrote or did this adaptation for cowboys and aliens so really um little connection there yeah he's so his name is um his name is mark fergus he's brother of a guy i work with and he he actually wrote the script for he's like on a team it's like him and another guy but he wrote the script for um for uh the the first iron man movie Uh uh-huh and then uh he did cowboys and aliens which i think was john favreau i believe was it? Yeah, it was yes. John Favreau who directed that. And then um, and he did... I think what he's currently on is... I saw, I've never, something I've never seen is The Expanse on Sci-Fi Channel. I actually, I've never seen that, but it's supposed to be really good, too. Okay. Wow. 
All right. I'm down with that. That that was pretty cool. That is a nice connection. I like that. I like that. Uh, another one is Jack Bender. Anybody know anything famous about him? I mean, there's obviously one famous thing I know he's known for. So I am not, like, when it comes to a lot of different directors, like, I know certain people, and then if there's, like, a particular connection, but a lot of them I'm just not super familiar with. I'm going to start doing a little more homework when we prep for these shows. <laughs> my, my homework is right as we're doing it. It's awesome. No. Uh, right. Jack Bender is the is a worked as a director on Game of Thrones and The Sopranos. Oh, okay. Um, so he he was he was pretty. He also worked on Under the Dome and The Last Ship for a couple years. Did you ever see that show? No. I that was a I good remember show. Under the Dome. I never saw it, but I've never heard of The Last Ship. The last shit was really cool. Uh, I, it's it was on TNT. It was very. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a great. Um, yeah, I thought it was a great, uh, great show. I'm, I'm sad they canceled it, but it was it was a great show. Um, and then the next. So one, so one connection this reminds me of here, like the, this this HBO connection. Uh huh. Um, so one thing that I used to always notice when Lost was first on was a lot of crossover actors between HBO shows and Lost. Um, and as we're kind of working our way through, I'll, I'll kind of remember them. But I, I do remember that standing out, that there were characters uh, or actors from like Deadwood on Lost and other shows like that. So there's definitely a lot of crossover between HBO and, and Lost. That that That's true. That's actually pretty cool um, to, to see. It's really cool to see who followed who on certain shows because there are certain shows like right now, I know Hawaii Five O. a couple of the actors have played in it together. And to see them connected, I'm like, oh, like a lost mini reunion kind of thing. It's 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 pretty cool um, how everything worked out. But yeah, that that's cool. That's cool. Uh, and then Carlton Cuse, um, if you don't know where he's from, he he does a lot of um, he did the Bates Motel, the Strain, um, most recently the Colony, which I loved the Colony, and I hated that they canceled it. Um, they he's done. Um, He's working on the Jack Ryan stuff, I believe, on Amazon. Um, I'm trying to think of what else he did, but he, he's he also it says that he helped with uh, Jeffrey Boehm on developed films like Lethal Weapon two and three, and Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, hmm. as well. Yeah, I only I only know the name from seeing it on Lost. Yeah, <laughs> some of these it, it's, it's it's amazing for me to go back and look as you know even if it's just just to look back and see um, some of these. Uh, so Adam Horowitz, Adam Horowitz was also another one. The biggest thing that I know him from is that he helped co-write um, Tron Legacy in 2010 uh, after Lost, and he also helped with Once Upon a Time along with Edward Kitsis which is another one that kind of helped a lot, which was um, he's best known, I think, outside of Lost for the Once Upon a Time TV show. Wow, so there's a lot of crossover with that show as well then. Oh, yeah, because there was a lot of actors from, uh, not a lot, but some, uh, I want to say some actors ended up. I know her. I know the actor, who uh, Jorge Garcia, ended up on that show at one point okay. for something, <laughs> so that was pretty cool. But speaking of actors, so when we talk about these actors... Um, you may know that some of them go together. What we're going to try to do on the show is, if we can help it, see, we've already seen all the way through. So we kind of know how these characters are going to interact with one another and how they're going to end up in the end. 
I'm going to do my best to not spoil four seasons down the road. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to try to view it as I'm watching it like, oh, man, this is this is cool to happen this episode in, and not what I know is going to happen, you know, in episodes down the road. Um, so keep keep those. I'm going to try my best. It's going to be hard knowing what we know. But it'd be so if once so if a spoiler slips ahead of time, guys, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's the editing for, right? It's an no. editing for. What is if there's a long beep? It's not because anybody used any foul language. It's because it just <laughs> Mike spoiled something. <laughs> so learn ahead. So we're gonna give you some just the actors that you're gonna see throughout all six seasons of Lost. And uh, again, this last time we're kind of gonna do it um, unless there's a new character. First one is Jorge Garcia. He's going to be Hugo Hurley Reyes. You also would know him as Becker um, or Hector Lopez on Becker and Jerry Ortega on Hawaii Five O. I watch Hawaii Five O uh, with my wife, and we 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 love it. We love it. Is it still going? It is still going. It is still going. Nice. It's good. Hmm. It's good. Uh, Josh Holloway plays James Sawyer Ford. Um, he played Gabriel Vaughn in Intelligence. That only ran one season. That's about the guy that had the chip implanted in his brain and could access the 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 internet on a moment's notice and all the intelligence databases. It was working, I think, with the FBI, and it got canceled after one season. It was a good, good show. I wish I hated they canceled it. And then most recently, he played Will Bowman on the TV show Colony. Did you ever watch any of the Colony? No. Nope. Um, is that is that like a current show or is that? So it got canceled after I think two seasons, um, but it's really good. If you can find it, I believe it's on Netflix. You need to add it to the watch list sometime. Will do. And then we have Young Jin Kim, who played Sun Hua Kwan. Now I have question marks here because I don't think she's done anything else notable but this one that I've I've hunted for. Interesting. So I think that surprises me. It really, it really. I mean, I, I looked all over IMDb is usually what I use to try to find these people, and a lot of them was um, were foreign films after that, or before that, or foreign TV shows. Nothing really um, down uh, that that we know of. So, and then we have Evangeline Lilly, who played Kate Austin. She played Bailey Tallett in Real Steel. Good movie. Toriel in the Hobbit trilogy. And, Everyone's uh, favorite character. Huh? <laughs> Everybody's favorite character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then played Hope in Ant-Man 1 and 2, as well as Avengers Endgame. Legitimately people's favorite character, because yes. that character is awesome. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I struggled on this on this, on this these pilots, because I saw Evangeline Lilly, and all I was thinking of was Wasp. I was not. Th- I couldn't think. Kate, I had. I. Struggled. You got to get back into the old fr- my frame of mind, which I think by the end I I was with her. Um, I kind of got back to it. Yeah, it, it's it's just hard because you're like, man, I'm waiting for her to push that button and shrink and wait. That's not gonna happen. <laughs> and then we have Terry O'Quinn who played John Locke. He played Howard Hughes on The Rocketeer. He was the FBI assistant director Kendall on Alias. For all of those Alias fans out there. He played Nicholas Alexander on The West Wing. Arthur Manchester in Falling Skies, another good show. If you can find it, you need to watch it. And then Joe White on Hawaii Five-0 as well. He was also in um, Young Guns. And really? I, 
I want to say the character's name is John Tunstall, but I, that might be the other guy. He was like, I believe he was like the lawyer that was kind of um, almost a, uh, a sort of a benefactor or something of the the gang in Young, the first Young Guns. See, I've never seen Young Guns, so that is that that that's pretty interesting. That's that that's that's that is really interesting. It um, was a while ago. He had hair at the time, I believe, if I remember correctly. Did you ever watch Falling Skies? No, I don't think so. Okay, okay. Well, to see Terry O'Quinn back in 2004 compared to what I've seen him as Joe White in Hawaii Five-0, wow, he, he has definitely aged in 15 years. <laughs> so, And then we have Naveen Andrews, who played Saeed Jarrah, which is one of my favorite characters. Um, he played Sanjay in Rollerball. He played Jafar in Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, which ran for like one season. And then for all the Sense8 fans, he played Jonas Maliki. Or Malachi, right. I'm probably saying it wrong, so it's cool. Uh, Matthew Fox was is going to be Dr. Jack Shepard. And the only thing I have that I've known him from is Racer X in the, in the um, new Speed Racer movie that they made. Yeah, there was one movie, I can't remember what it was. I, I remember he had one kind of starring role in a movie, but that might have been it. But I, I don't remember what movie that was. I think it was Forgettable. <laughs> that, that doesn't say much. Uh, he, I'm trying to think. Um, I know he played... IMDP says he played We Are in We Are Marshall and Bone, and, uh, Bone Tomahawk and Brooder. Um, oh, okay. Vantage Point. I remember that movie. He played in Vantage Point. Yeah, that might be the one that I'm thinking of. T- 2008 kind of sounds... Right. Because right. it seemed like it was maybe around the time when Lost was on. Yep. You know? It was like 12 uh, different um, viewpoints of how a murder happened, and they're trying to piece together who it was that, that okay. actually did it. Um, so that was, that, was, that was pretty cool. But yeah, he hasn't really done... Lost was really his big thing, and after that, he hasn't really done much at all, really. Smaller parts, yeah, smaller, smaller roles, looks like. Yeah. So, um, and then we have Daniel Day Kim, who played Jin Su Kwan. He's uh, he played Gavin Park in the show Angel, uh, Tom Baker in Twenty Four, Hiroshi Sato in Legend of Korra. He voiced that, uh, which I enjoyed that show. He also played Chin Ho Kelly on Hawaii Five O. It's amazing how many these people are connected on that show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doctor Jackson Han in The Good Doctor, and most recently Major Ben Demio on Hellboy, or Damio on Hellboy. Okay, so that's the new Hellboy that's, that's coming new, out right yep, now? That's the new Hellboy. Okay. I haven't seen that yet. And then we have Emily Day Ravine, who played Claire Littleton. She was known as Tess, for Tess Harding on Roswell, and as well as Belle on Once Upon a Time. And I do think I remember her from Once Upon a Time. What little, what little bit of that show I did see, I think I remember her on there. Okay. Now, Dominic Monaghan, everybody should know... As they as they kind of gander on their TV DVD collection, he played Mary on Lord of the Rings trilogy. Uh, he also played Bolt on X Men Origins Wolverine. Simon Campos on Flash Forward. Do you remember that show? Yes, I like. I remember it, but I I kind of only vaguely remember the premise of so it. So I think everybody lost consciousness for like seven minutes. Or something. Everybody in the world lost conscious for like seven minutes or something like that at one time, except for like two people 
in the entire world, and they tried to try to find out why did everybody lose consciousness and pass out, and then who who caused it, and why were those two people the only ones that were immune? And they answered the questions in like the first three episodes, so that kind of killed the whole show. After right. that, so they ended up canning it. Um, and then he's also got a role in Star Wars Episode Nine. J.J. Abrams brings his boys to the show yes, every does. time. Charlie is a very interesting character in this show, and I can't wait to explore it, Charlie. He, he, there's a lot of different arcs he takes in the show. Um, but then we have Maggie Grace, who played Shannon Rutherford. Uh, she played Irina, or Irina in Twilight Breaking Dawn 1 and 2 for you Twilight fans out there. Uh, played Kim in Taken 2 and 3, and she'll probably be Taken again in Taken 19. Um, Althea as well and Fear the Walking Dead. Now that's a show I've never watched. I I watched The Walking Dead mm-hmm. um for I like I'm still sort of on my Walking Dead journey. I, I it's like I've walked away from it and then come back to it and um like I I'll, I'll come back and finish it at some point, but I never ended up starting Fear the Walking Dead yet. I I like it. I do. I like it a lot. I that know that's going to be starting up here about a month or a little over a month so I'm excited to see where that one take off again nice and then Ian Summerhalder played Boone Carlisle on the show and he played Adam Knight in Smallville and then for all the Vampire Diary fans out there the CW fans uh, Damon Salvatore never saw that so I used to watch Smallville but I I didn't catch the entire thing i feel like maybe he was towards the tail end of it or something because I, I don't remember i think so mm. I, if i remember correctly because i did remember watching all of smallville okay and then we had harold parent harold Perinu, who played michael dawson um he was known for mercutio in romeo and juliet the new remake with with dicaprio and i know him mainly from link and matrix and reloaded in matrix revolutions same here. That's that's about all I know him from. And then I, I mean, I've seen the, I've seen Romeo and Juliet, but I can't. It's been so I long, I can't it. remember it. I just yeah. picture this crazy guy with with dreadlocks, like uh, screaming on a beach, and that's all I remember of, of Mercutio in that movie. And then there was he's also played Manny and Constantine, which I'm only like six episodes into that show out of like the thirteen. Um, so I do remember seeing him as Manny in the in the show Constantine. So that's really all the main actors. As far as the composer goes, it's none other than Michael Giacchino. Um, this guy, would you just like to read off the list of what he does? And, I mean, you will know his work is very notable. It's very it's very noticeable as well inside, inside TV shows and movies as well. And, um, w- w- Bill, would you, would you read through maybe what he's gone through? So sure. And, and this is not a complete list, but these right. are some of the big highlights. So, Alias, uh, Mission Impossible 3, and you'll notice a big J.J. Abrams trend here, too. Um, Star Trek, uh, and then, so the J.J. Abrams Star Trek, and then Star Trek Into Darkness, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, War for the Planet of the Apes, two movies that, that Planet of the Apes trilogy is like I love one it. of the best best things, I think, that's come out in the last 10 years. Um, Spider-Man Homecoming uh, and will be on Spider-Man Far From Home uh, did uh, Rogue One a Star Wars story and you know I think there's a few other Marvel films that he's done so just quite a prolific uh, composer right 
and so no doubt he's worked with John Williams as well. And um, it's just it's 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 amazing. He um, I I ended up his was the first soundtracks I ever bought for this show was lost because I just love his the way he scored music, um, the rising and the falling of the beats. It just it's great. It's great. Well, let's talk a little bit about the pilot then. So if you haven't seen the pilot yet, before we go any further, why don't you stop and come back and uh, watch them, and then come back and listen to us. So this is. We're going to do both episodes of the pilot, part one and part two, and um, we'll go from there. So the pilot, part one, the summary is this. 48 survivors of an airline flight originating from Australia bound for the U.S. crash lands on an unknown island a thousand miles off course. They struggle to figure out a way to survive while trying to find a way to be rescued. Dum, dum, dum. And just what I want to kind of do in these um, in these episodes is kind of give you a little bit of facts behind the scenes on these. So, Bill, if you know of anything that I missed, jump on in and let me know, or something kind of catches your eye. Sure. Um, so it cost two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to just to ship the wrecked plane pieces to Hawaii. The wreckage was clearly visible to aircraft landing at the nearby Honolulu airport, so airlines were advised to tell concerned passengers that they were actually seeing a TV set. <laughs> $250,000 to ship the wreckage. I can't tell if that's like a decent deal or, you know, is that a bargain or did they get ripped off cuz, you know. I don't know. That was I mean, that so was 200 and, and you know, I mean, that was 2004. So I mean, I don't know. Uh but the part that made me fun, made me laugh, was the passenger seeing a a, a, shi- a, a um a shipwreck crashed plane. Yeah, a crashed plane. That was just anyway. <laughs> uh, so the scene that you're gonna see where Jack asked Kate to sew up his back injury was the audition scene used to select the two actors to play Jack and Kate. Makes sense. You know, when we get to that, I'll t- I'll talk about that because that's I think that's the central point of the, the that episode. I agree. I agree. Um, and something when we read this, talk about the numbers. So the numbers that you're going to see in this numbers play a very big role in this show. Um, and by the end of the season, and by the end of our show, you will probably have these numbers memorized by heart. Um, I still do. I, I, I still do as well. And uh, so just bear with us. You'll, you'll hear these numbers, but not quite yet. Uh, so the numbers: Jack's seat on the plane was found on row 23. One of the mythical reoccurring numbers it is visible during the flashbacks when he stands as Charlie rushes past him. This marks the appearance of any, the first appearance of any of the numbers. What other show would you ever hear the adjective mythical used to describe a number? Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> That's a rhetorical question. Right, right, right. I can't think of anything. A- Abram, listen, these guys were just, they were, man, they were geniuses on this show. This this was, did you know, uh, we'll get into that later on, um, poor, poor directors, they were eventually threatened and, and wanted to leave the show because they just, people weren't, they weren't getting their questions answered. <laughs> Fan entitlement. Yes, yes. Um, the cast were not... Now, this is interesting. The cast were not allowed to see the set of the cockpit leaning against some of the trees. They were made to cover their eyes until the cameras rolled so the look of shock in their eyes would be genuine. I read I read your note 
before watching the episode. And um, it was kind of neat to, to watch that scene with that perspective as I rewatched it for the first time. It, it was. And I noticed that too. I'm like, oh, wow. Oh, okay. That is really cool. Um, now, something that is not cool is that Jack was actually meant to die in the pilot. The pilot, quote unquote, in the trees after Jack, Charlie, and Kate were chased was actually supposed to be Jack in the show. I don't, I don't get it. So, so Jack was supposed the, to die the in the act- first episode, but the actor who played the pilot that were rescued was actually supposed to be the Jack through the entire show series. Oh, Grunberg was supposed to be Jack. Yes. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. That's interesting. It, it is. It is. So. Matthew Fox, good job at keeping your job. <laughs> Whatever you did. Um, the production budget for the two-hour pilot was $12 million. Far greater than the cost of most television shows. This led Disney to fire ABC Entertainment chairman Lloyd Brauman for greenlighting the show, which went on to become the ABC's biggest hit in years. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Lloyd. We're not laughing That's at your misfortune. Just <laughs> oh, during the original airing, the first half of the pilot was shown without commercials. Uh, I was trying to figure out, like, so again, I saw these facts before I watched, and I was trying to figure out where where the first commercial was. Um, and I, I think I kind of figured it out, but I, I can't remember now. But I, I remember getting to that point and thinking, oh, yeah, that's that's the first commercial. commercial. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Jorge Garcia was the first actor to be cast for the first season. Interesting. And then Vincent, the boy dog, is actually played by a female. Hmm. Uh, this episode won four Emmy Awards for Outstanding Single Camera Picture Editing for a Drama Series, Outstanding Music Composition for a Series, Dramatic Underscore, Outstanding Special Visual Effects for a Series, and Outstanding Directing for a Drama Series. So good job on those Emmys. Yep. So let's just give us some thoughts about the episode. Um, Bill, why don't you go first? What are some thoughts that you had watching this first episode? Uh, so just off the bat um the, the that opening sequence that opening shot from you know like the the eye opening to where he basically walks onto the beach and sees in and, and like the whole the whole like wreckage is like first revealed that whole little sequence there is amazing and like i'm not a film expert or anything like that but i am an english teacher and i do sometimes have to teach visual analysis and stuff so uh, i have actually used that scene many times so i know that i mentioned last time that i haven't ever rewatched the series since it was originally on but i have rewatched that first um, episode quite a few times um, because I, I've, I've used that opening scene to show, you know, basic camera shots, camera motions like panning and dolly and um, different angles and zoom and stuff like that. Just It's just like a, probably, what, 30 seconds or maybe right. 90 seconds or something like that. And it's, and it, has so much and so like i kind of introduce the concepts and show them some pictures of what these angles are and stuff and then have them um look at that and then basically analyze it and kind of like you know spot test what they know so far and it's it's a really fun little lesson and it's a perfect kind of 
scene for all of those things. It's really well done. Uh, I agree. I love that shot um, and the music that went with the and and the thing is, is there was no really there wasn't really music um, until you see the when you, except for like when you see Jack's eye first open up and you see his pupils kind of adjust. Mm-hmm. And you see that, and you hear just the one sound that 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 gets played in in uh, in the music. But man, him just you know just the breathing. It's just almost just quiet. And then you see him turn that you know come to a nice beach. It looks like he's the only one. He pulls out the alcohol, thinking like, did I drink too much? Am I passed out? And then he just and here's a scream, and he looks and he sees just the wreckage. And they play with the audience right there, too, because so he comes out on the beach and the camera sort of follows him and they do it in such a way that the camera does pretty close to a 360 degree pan. Yeah. Without seeing the beach in the way they do it is this like the positioning of Jack. Um, and then it's his face that you see, like you see him see the beach first and then he kind of makes his way over to the beach, and then we see it. So you're really like you're you're in the head of Jack in that first in that very first clip there. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And then you and then you and then as you look at the the wreckage, and you see how the camera, like you said, kind of zooms in, zooms out, pans to different characters, and and immediately my eyes, I had to I had to stop because my eyes were looking for the main characters I knew were going to be in it instead of you know, the, the background characters, as well as when they showed background characters, you saw the main cast in the background and looking for things that I knew are coming in the future episodes, um, looking for events already in my mind. Like, oh, I remember about that. Oh, that's three seasons from now, or that's two seasons from now when I'll really get that answered. And um, so just did different things. And uh, so that was a great first shot. Uh, and it like in that moment and it's hard for first time watchers to even probably comprehend this but you you get personalities even though they're just quick little one shot glimpses you do yeah. get some personality from each of those characters that they do show in that scene which is really cool right. it's like these character introductions that are very visceral and based on this tragic um, you know crisis Right, like you've got you've got uh, Shannon. The most notable one I remember is Shannon just screaming, just standing there, just yep. screaming, and that's just going to be that defines her character. Then you have Boone, who's um, puppy dog, eagerly trying to like help out and right and doing doing it completely wrong. And Jack says you probably <laughs> need to go get your license checked again, or and just and he's like, you know, do we need to do one of those pen things? You know, put a hole in her throat, and he's like, yeah, just go do that. Just 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 go get a pen. Go. <laughs> and then the joke, the payout joke at the like as there's a little bit of like a pause, you know, right. and then it, and he just like wanders up with like nine pens and <laughs> you know a little bit of humor there in there, and then Claire. Um, having contractions, right? Yep. Yep. Um, who else is there? It might be it. Hurley. Hurley's the all-around I, helpful guy that you see. Yeah, he's running around. He's running around. Um, I don't think you see Rose yet. Um, of course, people, most people don't know who Rose is yet. You'll you'll be introduced to her. That's not a spoiler. She just she'll be in the show. Um, yeah. So I'm trying to think of who who else did you really see in that 
um, you catch a, I think you catch a quick glimpse of Sawyer. I'm not sure if you do. Perhaps. I can't remember, but yeah. And you don't see Kate, though, until after this scene is done. Right. Um, so, yes. Uh, but let's just, let's, you know, and well, you see Charlie wandering around the wreckage. That. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, oh, yeah. That was like, I think they blew something up. I think I remember like a behind the scenes where they actually blew something up like right behind him. And like, that's a real reaction right there of like an explosion being right behind him. Oh, wow. But he, and like something, something drops down, like the engine, something like is flying through yep. and drops down right behind him, and like that's like a real reaction, apparently. Uh, I, he just kind of looks at it like, wait, what just happened? You know, and 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 now you don't know this yet until later on in the episode, but he he's high as a kite. Yeah, I mean he's he's gone, so he has no earth like he's just wandering around, um, around this wreckage. Um, but let's, you know, I think we need to take a moment of silence to remember the turbine guy, <laughs> the guy that didn't, that didn't make it past 10 minutes in the episode and got sucked into the turbine. That's why I shouldn't laugh at that. That's he, he's gone though. Um, can we all agree though that Hurley is probably the most likable character on this show? I would agree with that. He, and, and even Claire is a pretty likable character as well. Um, Yeah. <laughs> um Walt Walt is up there. Walt is up there, right? Uh it Walt's got some interesting things ahead of him. Um but but Walt, yep. Walt's an very he's a, he's a likable character. Um he just wants his dog Vincent. He wants to find Vincent. Um I'm trying to think of who, you know, yeah, well, well, the 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 next the next part of the pilot, pilot part two, is has got a lot of things that that we can discuss that that's coming up, um, or or we have a monster, something in the trees. <laughs> so if, yeah, so, so if you just heard if you just heard a beep, I'm gonna have to beep that part out. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a it's an unknown no. monster it's it's a it's it's a presence that nobody can nobody has seen but they only see sort of the effects of it which is the scariest possible thing you could imagine it's huge whatever it is is gigantic it's um and it's, it's enough to freak out the whole crowd and have the whole crowd come look see what's going on right it's it's doing some crazy things um so yeah it's it's a scary thing because i i think when you can see, no matter how scary it is, if you can see it, it's less scary than than not knowing what it is, right? Right. Like, and this is this is like, I I was trying to think of you know kind of what's the main theme, yeah, of this episode, at least of like part one of the pilot, and to me it seems to be fear, and like confronting fear and the threats of the unknown and just this. Um, this whole thing, and this comes back to what I was talking about earlier, the scene with the stitching up, right? And so um, Jack tells the story about a surgery where he accidentally cut a nerve. Um, he's a brain surgeon, right? And he cut a nerve and um, he just, he, he, he was so afraid. And he just, at that moment, he decided to let the fear take over, but only for five seconds. So only for the count of five, and then he would push it down and continue on um and so that that was kind of like the story he told while he was trying to convince kate to sew him up and this is like crucial 
plot-wise to get the doctor fixed, you know? Like, that's that's a key thing. And, you know, it makes me kind of wonder, like, the whole thing of Jack, the plan to have him die or whatever that you mentioned earlier. Like, that, that would be kind of harsh. <laughs> that would be yeah. really dark if the doctor, the surgeon, is the guy who dies, like, very early in the show. But, um, but yeah, so that comes back after... Um, when you have the monster and Kate uses the same method when facing this unknown and trying to overcome her own fear. So that, that to me is like the centerpiece of this episode. Like there's chaos. You're just initially thrown into this wreckage, this crisis. And there's so many just like unknowns. And then on top of it, there's some kind of monster out there, um, that is just driving up that fear and uh, it's very visceral. It's a very visceral episode, a very like deep, primal emotion type of episode. I, I agree. And uh, it's just, I liked the way that, that she took the one thing that she just learned from Jack and applied it in her own situation. It, it and it begins to show you the the type of foundational in, in a way a relationship that those two are going to have as the series progresses. Yep. Um, I'm not going to go all into their relationship. It's going to happen because it gets very yes. So, um, but it, it is, and I do think you're right. I think the theme seems to be here's fear. You may not know what the fear is. You got to confront it, and you have to control it. And then deal with the unknown, whether you don't know what it is or not. And and, and I, I think that's true. I think that's the whole theme of this first episode is they're setting it up. They're, it's not just – and as the series progresses, it's not just going to be th- threats and fears from the unknown and from the outside. But even in the pilot part two, <clears throat> you're going to see threats and fear from the inside. And really yeah. that anger that's going to boil up in, in the second one, which I'm glad we're going to talk about this here in a second – is really out of a basis of fear, not as much of pointing fingers, and I th- and, and 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 that's where I think that that's gonna that's gonna take place, and it, it's gonna carry throughout at least the first two seasons, if not the entire show. Right, right. Um, the only other thing I had is, hey, they found the pilot, they found the black box. Um, Charlie had to use the restroom. That's great. I'm glad he used the restroom when he needed to on a plane that was, you know, tilted. And uh, we'll get into that later. And um, good. The pilot made it all of three, four minutes, got sucked out a window. He had a good run. And we have our first um, lost Star Wars connection. And this is a this is like a, a post-lost connection because – Back when Lost was on, this was not a Lost Star Wars connection, um, but now it is. And Greg Grunberg, the pilot in the pilot of Lost, plays a pilot in The Force Awakens, um, directed by J.J. Abrams, and apparently he's coming back in um, in Episode Nine as well. Wow, I did not. I actually did not know that. I did not put two and two together. That is pretty cool. Yep, he plays the character Snap Wexley, who appears in some of the comic books, and also he appears in uh, Chuck Wendig's um, Aftermath. Aftermath series. Yeah. Right. That is, that's actually pretty cool. 
cool. I like that connection. He was in um, Heroes as well. See, that's one show I never watched. I never watched Heroes. I didn't take it to the end. I do a lot of starting of shows and not finishing them. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I did watch a few seasons of Heroes. It was pretty good. Okay. So, speaking of connections, you're going to, we're going to, you know, as an audience, you're going to see there's a lot of pop culture kind of connections in this, in this show. Um, one thing that Abrams and, and Damon Lindelof and Carlton Cuse and all of them did was they, they added a lot of, sci-fi and art and movies and tv they added a lot and of literature huh and literature and literature is going to play heavily into a lot of lost so you can see a lot of pop culture things so what i want to kind of do is if they're big pop culture references or something that may kind of trick your mind uh i kind of want to tell you about those after every episode if we if, if i if i can find the info about them um, so we have two for the pilot part one, and that is when Locke does the orange peel uh, in his mouth and smiles. That's actually a trick that Don Corleone does in The Godfather from 1972. Mm-hmm. And then Sawyer – now, I, I, I'm bad that I usually watch TV shows and movies with subtitles on, even if I need them or not, just because there's amazing stuff that you miss um, in a show. But Sawyer calls the island Monkey Island which is a reference to the 1990 video game The Secret of Monkey Island. Interesting. So, well, that's it for the pilot part one. Now, moving into pilot part two, would you like to start us off by reading the summary for this one? Okay, so having retrieved the plane transceiver, a group of survivors try to transmit a signal only to receive a strange message, tra- strange transmission from another inhabitant. Oh my! All right. Um, so, a couple of interesting episode facts. Uh, Walt is seen reading a comic book, and for all of our friends out there, uh, you know. Jay and uh, Jay and Josh, he's reading Green Lantern Flash, Faster Friends number one, published by DC Comics, and in that comic book, a polar bear actually appears in it. Oh, really? Yes. Interesting. So that's pretty cool. cool. Uh, that's awesome. Broadcast restrictions. Now, we learned in this episode that Charlie will be ingesting heroin, but broadcast restrictions prevented any shots of Charlie ingesting heroin. The producer got, producers got around this problem using clever cutting. Right, because I, I thought that was kind of funny where every time they cut to, like, in that scene, he's just, like, rubbing it in his on his gums or whatever. Right. You know, he's never actually snorting it. He's just, like, rubbing it into his mouth. Yep. <laughs> yep. I mean, it's, it was it was awkward. I, was, I kept, kept thinking, I don't remember. The, oh, okay. All right. Well, that's how they do it then. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is funny. Well, not funny. The plane crash sequence was Evangeline Sololi's first day of shooting on the show. Because she is Canadian, a special U.S. employment visa had to be arranged for her. Since this touch took such a long time, all scenes that featured her character had to be pushed to the end of the shooting schedule. When the visa came in, she was flown to the set the very same day. Wow. This episode won four Emmy Awards as well. Pretty much for the exact same things as the f- pilot episode did, the first pilot part one. I wonder, was it, did it air as one big so episode? It, it, and, aired, and... it aired as, it aired as a, as a, as an episode, 
but the first episode did not have, from what I understood, did not have commercials, so it ended up being like the 44 minutes it was supposed to be, and then the next one was an hour. So you're looking at about an hour and 45 minutes of the show, so they were back-to-back mm-hmm. -back in the same night. Okay. Um, locked description of the rules of backgammon. Two players, two sides. One is light, one is dark. Foreshadows a conflict between two people that I'm not going to mention, which later will play an integral part of the show's mythology in the later seasons. I've always wanted to learn backgammon. My neighbor plays backgammon and swears it's like the the best game ever, and it's a game I I, I should I should. I should figure out how to play and, and start playing with my wife. It's fun. My, my, my parents taught me how to play. I enjoy it. It's fun. Nice. Uh, so let's give some thoughts about our episode. Um, one, one, one of my first thoughts was, how did Charlie even get the drugs on the plane? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Especially, you know, we're talking post 9-11, right? Right. So, Which that'll come up uh, here yeah. again in a second. Uh, <clears throat> it, it, just, it just... Yeah, how... I mean, how did he smuggle that in? I don't know. I, I, I don't know um, either. Uh, we get a little bit more about Shannon. And she is just absolutely spoiled. And she's in denial. She, she She's very much... Um, she doesn't think it's... Anything's going to happen. She's just going to get rescued. and Until she starts to dare at that... Or stare at that dead body a little bit later. And Boone's like, why are you even crying? You didn't even know the guy. You, you just... <laughs> He gave up your seat, or or he took your seat, <laughs> uh, and she's sunbathing apparently while everybody else is working, and she's mm -hmm. sunbathing on the beach. Uh, so let's talk about the handcuffs. So Walt is in the woods. Michael finds him, which Michael is is Walt's dad, and finds him, and he ends up finding a pair of handcuffs. So now this show has not just introduced a threat of an unknown as far as a giant monster or something that breaks down the trees, but now it's introducing a new internal threat Yep. that somebody had handcuffs on. Right. Now we're going to... Suspicion. Right. Now when, you, now when you first saw this, and I know you said you started in season two, did you have any idea who it was when you first went back and watched episode one or the first pilot? Did you have any suspicions on um, who it was? I think I knew. I think I may have known at that point. So I started watching midway through season two, and I think so. I I started watching midway through season two. Finished season two because I I just kind of watched it while it was on. Like I jumped in wherever I started and just watched it and just kept watching episodes. Right. Right. Then season two ended and I bought the DVDs. Um. Once once season one DVDs came out, which I think was like sort of right after season two ended, I bought the DVDs um, and then watched them and st and then like started. I think I ended up buying season two as well and then we kind of got all caught up with season one and two and then started watching season three and I was kind of live then. So I think I pretty much knew at the time going in when I saw the handcuffs, like watching watching it for my for my first time but i have a but i think i'm one of the rare people who <laughs> just <laughs> decided to like jump right in and just like start watching episodes and then go back um which is an interesting perspective anyway 
Well, I think I was one of the, the, the ignorant people watching it late, so I still didn't know. Um, but my thought was always Sawyer. Uh, right. And, you know, and that's what the directors they wanted. They wanted to really catch you and get you to think, no, it can't, it can't be, you know, it can't be Kate. You know, we'll find out that it's, the reveal is that it's Kate's the criminal. Oh, it can't be Kate. Um, she's just and nice, this innocent, this, sweet, sweet girl. It's like this giant reversal, right? Right. So you expect it to be Sawyer and you expect that Sawyer is a villain and Kate is a hero. And then by the end of the episode, you almost have this flipped where Sawyer has killed the polar bear and Kate is the bearer of the handcuffs. And so, you know, this idea, like, as much as episode one, to me, was all about fear, episode two seems to be all about playing with the idea of heroes and villains, and those um, things are not necessarily, A, mutually exclusive, or, um, or even some sort of solid kind of concept right and and as the show progresses you're going to see those roles kind of flip back and forth it's like there is no this guy is always going to be a hero throughout unless you're talking about somebody you know let's be honest like hurley hurley's just one of those likable characters he you know you're not going to see a lot of flipping with certain people but there's certain ones you're going to see a lot of going back and forth um with it it was just it's always it's interesting to watch it now knowing the reveal is kate that going back and rewatching and watching her eye moves like when Sawyer shoots the polar bear and she comes back and Saeed is talking with Sawyer about the gun, you know, Kate's kind of going back and forth with her eyes like, oh man, where did he get that gun? You could tell what she's thinking. How did he get the gun? What's going to happen? And then she just does, you know, I don't, I, I've never held a gun. I've never shot a gun. How do I, how do I unload it? You know what? And she just plays this innocent charm up. Right, and yet, like, Saeed tells her how to do it, and then she does it as if she's done it a million times. Right. <laughs> so, speaking of Saeed and Sawyer, um, there's 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 a fight scene in here that I, I kind of want to talk about for a second. Um, so, Saeed and Sawyer are fighting, and we see them after they get back with the with the radio, and from, from the cockpit, uh, uh, Jack and Kate and all them get back, and everybody's just standing around, they're fighting, um, I think that that fight shows a lot of stereotypes that people still have toward each other today. Um, I think what made this very impactful for those who 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 don't know, Saeed was he was he was a Republican guard in the and I the Iraqi Republican guard, correct? Yep. Okay. So Saeed is an Iraqi Republican guard, and Sawyer is just this down home Mississippi country boy, you know, kind of a guy from the United States. And he pretty much blames Saeed for the plane coming down. All because Saeed is of a different ethnicity than him. And I think what made us really impactful was that 9-11 was still fresh in people's minds. It was only three years after 9-11 when this show took off. So what, what do you think about the message that that kind of sent in that scene? Because I think it was... Do you think it was hard for people to watch knowing what had happened three years earlier? I, I, I mean, the whole episode, the whole pilot 
in general, because you're going back and forth between these, you know, this is the first time we're starting to get flashbacks and these flashbacks take you on the plane right? and you have a plane crashing. You have people experiencing like very detailed sort of Hollywood version of plane being torn apart, uh, people being like crazy uh, thrown about with turbulence and all this stuff. And I, I do think that the writers were were playing on this collective kind of fear uh, that that would be out there after an event like that, where you know people witnessed essentially on live TV, um, you know, as close to it as you could get planes like crashing into buildings and stuff. Yeah. So. Um, so yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely a conscious decision on the writers to, to play on those fears and then to build off of this thing where they're going to say, Hey, this is not only what Sawyer thinks, but we're guessing a whole bunch of you think the same thing, you bigots, you know? And and so it's sort of like trying to like push it back on the audience a little bit, I think, and, and make us feel like, okay, so we should maybe check our our own prejudice a little bit here as we start this show right and they kind of help with that transition in the next scene where okay so so jack asks if anybody knows anything about electronics and saeed says i do and he goes off on his own and then you have of all people hurley go over to uh go over to saeed while he's working on this thing and uh, on this radio and he's just talking to him, introducing himself, and just saying, you know, that guy's a jerk, and and all these other kind of things. And he's mending. So what the, I think what the directors are doing is they're showing you can either have this kind of prejudice, kind of attitude, or and live in this kind of stereotype, or you can be like Hurley. And yes, it may it may have affected you, but you could still build that bridge because it's not all that bad. Not you know not 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 all the people are going to be like that from 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 that part of the world and I think that that's what I think that's what the in fact the vast majority <laughs> right are, are not right like that. And, and they're not so I think think that was a very good choice of the directors to show the complete opposite side of the coin right there with Hurley and I think if anybody else would have done that in the show i don't think it would have come across but knowing who hurley is and who he will be later on that scene becomes that much more poignant because of he's the only one i think that could have been able to help cross that bridge yeah it's a it's a character building scene for hurley too right right um and as well as saeed too because saeed's realizing hey you know not everybody's against me just because of you know my ethnicity, people are, are, are here. But I I do I, I I I do laugh though on that scene where uh, where Saeed or uh, he asked or uh, Hurley asked Saeed you know where'd you learn how to do this? Saeed said military, and he's like cool. Where are you Army, Navy, Republican Guard? And, and <laughs> Hurley's like oh cool. <laughs> like what do I say after that? <laughs> so. Um, so Jack and Kate have, have an interesting relationship in these two episodes. Uh, Jack, Jack, um, has taken her almost under his wing a little bit here. Like, you know, I, I mean, going back to the whole teaching her this kind of trick to push, push away the fear, to, to overcome the fear. Yeah. And then... 
um, you know, and they're sort of like partnering up in a way, almost like a team up kind of thing throughout this episode. Right. And, um, they, they almost, the directors almost start to put the, the, the little seed of, of a romantic relationship in the minds of the viewers, uh, of these two. And she's just, you know, she she weeps because she's running, and she ends up in the in the forest, and then she just kind of has this, you know, she's screaming Jack, Jack, and she's she she's crying because she doesn't know what happened to him, and that's like all she's worried about. So it's almost as if I I think because when we find out later on that she is the criminal from the marshal, I think what she's trying to do is attach herself to the strongest leaders possible. That way, maybe if something were to flip on its head, like if they were to find out about her, um, she's got somebody in her corner. Right. So I think she's almost playing this innocent girl. Like, I'm really – I may have done something, but I'm really innocent just to make sure she has some somebody against her back to help her out. Um, but then you have the other dynamic of the marital dynamic between Jen and Son. This is a very interesting dynamic in this episode. And you have back to the idea of like heroes or who, who people you think are villains sort of flipping around and having maybe some kind of other side, right? So Jin at first comes off with this, um, you know, like controlling um, husband role here, right? right. Pushing down his wife, um, metaphorically speaking. And like, you, you just kind of get this sense that this is an, almost like an abusive relationship or something, right. um, controlling relationship. And, um, by the end of the episode, yes, like you still have that there, but you have, you see this other side of Jin where he's like, you know, going around actually feeding everybody and except um, for son. Cause he popped her hand when she wanted to get one. Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and then she, he, he made her button her top button, and then and then you just see that look in her eye when she when he does leave to go give everybody this food. She just look gives him this death stare and unbuttons that top button again. And and you start to see a little bit of rebellion in Sun. Yeah, a little defiance there. Right. So that that's an interesting just a, just a couple of relationships, and then you had the Boone and Shannon. So you know, you know when Shannon's staring at a dead body, crying over the dead body, Boone's like, "Why are you crying over somebody? In a way, you barely knew. Why are you why are you sitting here doing nothing while everybody else is working?" And um, it, it's almost that you know you get this this thing from Boone, like, "Yeah, he's a hard worker." Of course, we'll find things out later on about these two. Um. But that whole relationship, there's definitely some some issues there that will get resolved in this show, ish, mm-hmm. and <laughs> um, and then you had the polar bear. Uh, now, like like you said, you jumped in season two. So, when did you know there was a polar bear in season two? After, um. Good question. I don't. I don't actually remember. Um, I just knew that there was crazy stuff going on. So the polar bear itself didn't surprise me. Okay. I think maybe the scene itself was kind of shocking in that you had um, Sawyer taking it on. You know, like right. that that whole thing where he decides to shoot the bear. 
yeah, is just, uh, that that's a pretty shocking thing. Yeah, yeah, because I mean that 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 that's not that's not a strong gun. If it's just a standard nine millimeter, that's not a strong gun to 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 to, to take a bear down. <laughs> so, um, and then of course we have the <laughs> Jack's got to do surgery on the marshal, and he gets none other than Hurley to help him. And Hurley just, you know, passes out at the sight of blood and just lays on top of the marshal. And then eventually when a marshal wakes up, he grabs Jack and says, where is she? And you know immediately what's happening because then you have the flashback to her in the plane with the handcuffs on. Yeah. Um, so you have the big reveal there. And then they get high enough <clears throat> into the mountains and Saeed makes a call, and then they and Shannon, after her year of partying and drinking in France, is able to interpret the fact that there's somebody asking for help, and it has been playing for 16 years on the loop. Um, so already there's something, and that's kind of where the episode ends. Um, and Charlie says, "Where are we? Right? Where are we, guys?" And and I wanted to go on to the next episode. I was ready. I'm like, man, I remember it grips you because you hear that, you see that. The loss right at the end, and you're like, "Oh no!" And uh, you want to keep going, but um, this was almost one of the last. I mean, I, I think Game of Thrones is doing it now still, but there aren't a lot of shows. A lot of a lot of shows are binge shows, like Netflix shows. They drop them and the whole thing. You just watch them back to back to back to back if you want. But you know, this is back in the day when um, you watched it live. Right, and there were commercials, and this episode was structured in a way where it, you would get to the commercial, and you'd be like, "What? Oh man, commercial! Now I gotta wait." And then you know, it'd come back on, and then the episode would end with that. Every time with that, it would get you every time with that that lost logo in the doom, and you know, you'd, then you gotta wait a whole week, or if it was the last episode of the season, you had to wait a whole summer or whatever. So. E- it, and it was it was so it was so it was it was intense. I um I remember um now this is a this is a funny thing when when I first got married I remember on our honeymoon I brought the first season of Lost um, because I told my wife I said I want you to watch this I said I want you to watch the first episode and I remember she we we brought you, it. You didn't watch it on a plane, did you? No, I, now I okay. did go out of the, now I did go out of the country back in 2010 for about three months, and on the way down to Brazil, I, I was watching Lost on on my laptop. So, by the way, not not a smart move when you're sitting next to people on a plane, okay? Um, but I was trying to refresh because that was like the last season, and I was I wanted to watch you know before I get to the end. Um, and then so uh, ran, ran, quick random connection story there. Yeah, I, I I went on one cruise in my life, and they had a you know how like they do, um, they do like musicals and plays and things and performances. One of them was a Titanic themed oh performance on my cruise. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that went over well. No, I didn't even go see it. I was like, I'm not gonna bother oh with my, this. Oh my, that's on the so cruise. bad. <laughs> <laughs> and I think they had a Titanic um, slot machine too, if I recall. Oh man! Uh, but my wife, well, we weren't we weren't able to watch it over over our, our honeymoon, obviously. And um, but we did watch it when she when we got back home. 
and she popped in the first TV. She says, I'm not going to like the show. I don't want to watch the show. I said, I promise after the pilot, you will be hooked. You want to watch it. And I remember being at like 8 o'clock at night. And I, she said, fine, just put it in. So I put it in, and we began watching it. And I'm, like, looking at her the whole time, like, are you, are you catching this? Are you catching this? You know, I'm excited she's watching it. And um, she gets to the end of the pilot part two, and it's, like, 10 o'clock, 10.30 at night. And she says, go to the next one. <laughs> <laughs> and then we just watch like two more and i'm like she's like go to the next one i'm like no you we have to we have to go to work tomorrow you, you, we have to go to bed and there's literally a portlandia episode that it's it's exactly you know that show portlandia with fred armison i've heard of it i've never seen it it's just a, a sketch comedy show and uh there's an episode it's not lost it's battlestar galactica um uh. where they they do that and like they end up doing it for so long that they like they call out of work and they like lose their jobs and they just keep watching it and watching it and become obsessed and eventually try to track down Ronald D. Moore, I think the guy's name is, the producer, and try to make him like write more episodes so that oh they keep binge watching it. <laughs> it's a hilarious skit. Oh Look that my. one up. I made to watch that one. It's uh, it's like just Portlandia Battlestar. It's a it's a really funny episode. <laughs> It'll remind you of, of that experience for sure. It, it was good though. It was good. Uh, That's awesome. I, 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 I'm trying to get her to go go back through it again with me as I'm doing this podcast as well, but she hasn't really given in yet um, to it. So my wife is not a rewatcher. She doesn't like to rewatch really much at all. Although I did catch her rewatching Thor Ragnarok. Okay. And I think you know I think Hemsworth is. Uh, this is the factor there. <laughs> yeah, I, I get that. Yeah, uh, no, my my my, my wife did rewatch. Uh, we did rewatch The Office, and we're going through Scrubs again ourselves. Uh, nice, but, good uh, shows. But anyways, well, there's no pop culture connections in this episode, believe it or not. Um, so we'll we'll have some more, and the next episode is going to be episode three, Tabula Rosa. So blank, which translates to blank slate, right? Blank slate. That's right. So uh, watch it, and here in a couple weeks we'll give we'll drop you off another episode. But until then, you're more than welcome to follow us um, on Twitter. Send us a uh, send us a message. Send us a tweet. Um, you can uh, let us know what you think about the show. To follow us on Twitter, you can follow the main um, the main one at at retrozapped is our main Twitter handle for the network. You can also follow me. I'm at the DC fanboy. That's at the DC underscore fanboy. Bill, where can we find you? And I am at Lost Star Wars. That's all one word, Lost Star Wars. All right. And you can also uh, find us in the RetroZap Discord. Go to RetroZap.com for more details. Um, we'll ha- we have a show channel in there. You're more than welcome to uh, go in there, discuss, give us your – if you've never – so I will I will preface this. If you've never seen the show, we want you to give us your theories in Discord channel. We think that'd be really cool. We're not going to answer your theories. And if you're listening to this podcast, guys and girls, don't answer their theories if they've never seen the show. Okay? So uh, we, we want to keep it spoiler-free as much as we can as far as, you know, we could talk about the current episodes and that kind of thing. But if they're asking about a theory or asking, well, does this happen, does this happen, you know, Remember your experience going through it, too, and uh, how, how you unveiled for you. But listen, join us in Discord. It's a lot of fun. You can also check us out online at RetroZap.com. There's a lot of articles, posts, 
any other podcast and some other stuff from your fandom as well. I know Bill is on a on another podcast on RetroZap Network. You, what is your podcast? Uh, my podcast is called The Dorklair Collecting Podcast, and it's all about action figures, Star Wars, Marvel, fantasy, DC, all sorts of stuff. Awesome, awesome, and uh, so give give him a check out, and uh, we think it'll be we'll think it'll be awesome. Uh, well, if that's it, until next time, y'all. Uh, we'll see you on Lost. Bye.